trusting God versus Christian certitude. I want to talk to you for a few moments about trusting God versus correct beliefs. I want to talk to you about why intimacy with God is often found in dark places and in circumstances which reek with uncertainty. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about about why setbacks actually step us forward into greater purpose and design for our lives. Peter Inns, great author and speaker, pastor, wrote a book called The Sin of Certainty. And I read, quote, We are not children of a reluctant God, neither are we the children of a heavenly Father who issues divine recipes like a chef in the kitchen who tells his students, quote, Follow this exactly and do it exactly like the recipe and you will get these results the same every time. End quote. Our faith journey or life is about trusting God, not about having correct beliefs. Equating certainty with faith is analogous to saying good behavior will make you right with God. We've long ago given up on that. We've long ago accepted that that's not the way forward. Being confident or self-assured in your way forward isn't sinful. It's when we try to go back to a previous place to resurrect, to repair, to cement our hopes of recovering the way it used to be, instead of trusting God with the insecurity, the unfamiliar, and the unpleasantness of the future. I have two texts for you this morning. If you're turning, fine. If you want to use your device, great. We'll have them on the screen. One is found in Isaiah chapter 50, and the other is found in Job, as you might suspect, in chapter 42. From Isaiah 50, and I'll start there. Yes, I have something I want to quote from George MacDonald, but let's start with the text, Jeff, if we could. Isaiah 50, verse 10. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant, who walks in darkness and has no light, yet trusts in the name of the Lord and relies upon his God. And then Job. You know the story of Job, right? He got to the end of his, and we don't want any scriptures or slides up right now. I'm not ready for that. He got to the end of everything and had lost it all. And in the last chapter of that book, after having all of that time, whatever time it was, we're really not told whether that all happened within a couple of months or several years. We don't know. But presumably, in in terms of the fact that he lost all of his livestock, he lost his his children, his family, just everything. He had boils on his body. He was sick and diseased. Everything had violently turned from a man who was blessed, had the hand and the favor of God upon him, to where he was. And here's what he said in the last chapter and the fifth verse. 
before I, before I knew only what I had heard of you, but now I have seen you. I wonder how many of us have our faith built on a lot of things we've heard, but not on personal experience of seeing him. George MacDonald wrote, Do you love your faith so little that you have never battled a single fear lest your faith should not be true? Where there are no doubts, no questions, no perplexities, there can be no growth. George MacDonald. So, when is certainty sin? Well, how about a couple of examples? It's very common when there's disaster for one to say, well, where was God? And in that disaster, I always hear Christians responding with, well, if you had more faith, if you had just prayed more, if you had the correct doctrine, if you had stronger faith, how sad. How about 9-11, when terrorists took out the Twin Towers? 3,000 plus lives were lost. Where was God? Did 3,000 plus people not have good faith? Did 3,000 plus people not believe correctly? How about your own life where you've suffered significant loss? Has somebody ever told you, maybe a good friend, another Christian believer? Well, if you had just had more faith, if you had prayed harder, and they want to open the Bible and show you. <laughs> well, sir, surely it definitely wasn't God because we know God wouldn't bring this, and so it had to be you because it would sure, certainly wasn't God. That only leaves you. Well, no, frankly, that leaves the mystery of evil. That leaves the mystery of being human. It leaves the mystery of the universe. It leaves the mystery of faith. People want to offer solutions because their faith demands certainty. We just believe God for a miracle. Well, let's come into agreement that, fill in the blank. Well, you know, Jesus said, if, or, if two or three of you agree as to touching anything they ask, the devil can't steal from God. We're going to bind him on this, and we're going to take back what the enemy has stolen. These were all common cliches in the circles in which I ran. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard against him, which that verse doesn't even mean. It's not even referring to that. But we cherry-pick. We cherry-pick texts because it's popular to say these things about faith, to be certain. We want to be certain. I submit to you that faith isn't a cosmic download of information and correct beliefs that we can be certain about. Peter N. says in his book, The sin of certainty says that God desires our trust more than he does our correct beliefs. In his book, Peter said, God desires our trust more than he does our correct beliefs. Stop needing to be right. 
Focus on trusting God. Doubt is only the enemy of faith where you equate faith with faith with certainty. Oh, that bears repeating. Doubt is only the enemy of faith when you equate faith with certainty. How about those uh-oh moments? How about the uh-oh moments? <laughs> Have you ever had an uh-oh moment? that caused you to doubt, that caused you to question faith? Well, if you doubt or you're uncertain, you don't have a Bible verse, you're not praying with authority, does that mean you brought that on yourself? Job just brought those things on himself. The, the 3,000 that died in the 9-11 just brought that on themselves. They didn't have strong enough faith. They were in doubt. My pastor, Buddy Harrison, who was my pastor for two decades, got a great big growth on the side of his throat. Now, he was a vocalist as well. Boy, he could sing. Loved to lis listen to him lead worship. And he got a big growth on the side of his neck over here. So big, I, I mean, it was just growing, and it was restricting his breathing and restricting his, certainly couldn't sing, his preaching, everything. And it was a very obvious, great big one. Well, he sought God and he prayed and he believed. And then he decided to have it removed through surgery. Freedom. And then it reappeared on the other side of his neck. Same growth. Cancer. Cancerous. And this time... He just made a decision of, quote, faith. I'm not going to have it removed. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to stand in faith. And he died. Now, you may not know who this man is or care necessarily. It doesn't have much to do with your life. But I will tell you this. Buddy Harrison, who raised up Faith Christian Fellowship, and over a thousand churches and a couple thousand ministers who were part of that organization, we were ourselves, who put any faith teacher you could name on the map by publishing their books through his publishing house called Harrison House. Buddy Harrison knew faith. Buddy Harrison knew how to stand in faith. Buddy Harrison knew how to pray in faith. And he died of a cancerous growth. These trials, these tests of our faith, they, they serve to push us deeper in our faith, deeper in our intimacy with God. And your fear might be, well, I'm leaving God behind. Perhaps you're not leaving God. You're leaving how you think about God behind. These moments push us forward to a more mature faith. Being confident isn't wrong. Being faith-filled isn't wrong. It's the need to get certainty back. That's the sin. The deep desire to go back, reconstruct, fix it like concrete, patch the hole. We should see God in these moments of pain. Pain and suffering are opportunities for intimacy. Brian Zahn said in an article that he published 
couple of years ago. Quote, certitude is a poor substitute for authentic faith. But certitude is popular. It's popular because it's easy. No wrestling with doubt, no dark night of the soul, no costly agonizing over the, over the matter, no testing yourself with hard questions. Just accept a second-hand assumption or a majority opinion or a popular sentiment as the final word and settle into certainty. Who is the God that you believe in? Real faith is trusting God more than we do our correct beliefs. It's easy to construct a system of believing, ignoring what's happening, playing make-believe. I've read of several pastors over the last several years. I'm talking about me. And some of them I knew. Some of them I were in their services. Who were trained in fundamentalist biblicalism or biblicism. And when they encountered a crisis of faith, as we all do, they were completely ill-equipped to deal with it. And after lonely years of struggle with doubt, they've left their faith completely. No pastoring, no ministering, they've left their faith. And this is not, by the way, deconstruction. When you hear me use the word deconstruction, how that God has brought us through a time of deconstruction, we're not talking about leaving your faith. Or, or, or leaving your faith in God's Word or in, in Jesus or eliminating Jesus or going to church or any of that kind of stuff. We're talking about deep doubts and questions about what we do believe and we wrestle with it so that we come out the outs- other side with even a greater intimacy. And a couple of these ministers that I'm speaking of committed suicide. Weak faith is not doubting. Being absolute about what you believe doesn't make you a person of faith. Christian certitude reduces God to the pettiness of a God who makes wonderful promises to expecting sons and daughters, but then makes those promises contingent upon having correct beliefs, believing those beliefs without doubt and obeying Him. Otherwise, he will not give you what he's promised. Be leery of people who rush in with certainty with a Bible verse that they want to quote you and tell you, if you would just do this, God promises it's absolutely going to happen like this. Be concerned. Real faith is carved in the life struggle of Job's bitter trial where every assumption of God being good was put to, to the, put to the test. Real faith cries out in pain, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, as Jesus did on the cross. Now, here's the Apostle Paul's testimony. If anybody knew faith, if anybody wrote about faith, if anybody in the Bible understood faith, you would think it to be the Apostle Paul. Here's his comment. Quote, Are they ministers of Christ? I'm talking like a madman here. I'm a better one. With far greater labors, more imprisonments, with countless floggings, 
often near death. He was beaten so bad he was near death. Five times I have received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. 39 lashes like they gave to Jesus. Ripping your skin out. Tearing you until you're a bloody mess. That happened to him five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked for a night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the sea, danger in the wilderness, danger in the sea, danger in fa with false brothers and sisters, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, hungry and thirsty and often without food, cold and naked. And besides all these things, I'm under daily pressure because of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to stumble and I am not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast in the one thing that shows my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, be blessed forever, knows that I do not lie. In Damascus, the governor under the king Aretas guarded the city of Damascus in order to seize me. But I was let down in a basket through a window over the wall to escape his hands. End quote. I've never been through all that. <laughs> I've, and neither have you. You have never been through all that. Now, we've had our issues. We've had our problems. We've had our share of dark days. But I dare say, what Paul went through was certainly a reason to give up on God, to give up on his faith. And he kept preaching while he was in jail. History records that he died in jail. Where was his faith? Because he didn't have enough. Oh. I've got to be done. Now next week, watch this. Next week, we are going to exegete. We're going to unpack. We're going to just unfold, tear apart, and talk about one of our favorite scriptures for certitude. Everybody say certitude. certitude. Yeah, that's a word I want you to learn now. We don't often use it. But there's a lot of Christian certitude. And it doesn't have anything to do with biblical faith or loving God. Listen to this. James chapter 1, verse 6 through 8. But ask in faith, never doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For the doubter, being a double-minded man and unstable in every way, must not expect to receive anything from the Lord. <laughs> I've quoted that. I've preached that. I've told people that when they were in doubt and significant wrestling with pain and issues. They just needed to believe harder. They needed to believe more correctly. Like me was always the, the idea. Tell me what you heard. We have a microphone. And Pammy, my deaconess is going to help us this morning 
and we'll do an on off on off okay that's all right is it on I don't think so yep there okay go. I heard that when you're going through terrible things it doesn't mean that God isn't there and that your faith is not or obsolete I'll say that that your faith it doesn't mean just because God doesn't answer the way you think he should that he's not a loving and caring God and right there with you thank you thank you you're right it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean many of the things you've been told that you have weak faith that you don't have enough faith that God's distant that God won't bless you that that answer to prayer won't happen if you don't you know and that this thing that's going on in your life and the doubt that you're having you're just you're never going to receive which James chapter 1 says or does it next week <laughs> alright next Pam stands ready all right I have a question up on the screen here for you watch this how would you define Christian certitude anybody how would you define Christian certitude Let's have the mic real quick over there. First, I have to know the meaning of certitude. Say it again, real loud. First, I I have to learn how what certitude means. First, you have to learn what first you have to learn what certitude means. Okay. Certitude is a shortened word for being certain so Christian certitude means I take my Bible I find a promise and then I say if I believe that enough if I believe that hard enough if I believe that correctly God's got to do it he cannot fail that would be an example of Christian certitude Okay, does that help? Yes. Do you think you've ever been that way? Yes. How do you feel now hearing what you've heard this morning? <laughs> Keep him up. Say it again. I'm not hearing him. Is the mic on? I know I can hear him, but the odd the live stream can't. Oh, there Say you go. I feel better, yes. <laughs> Find that for me. What does I feel better mean? Uh, I just feel closer to God, you know. Okay. There we go. I feel closer to God. Can you have doubts and still feel close to God? I love that answer. What I feel about it is that 
um, I I know, you know, I'm certain, I know who God is, you know, and, um, you know, he's not, he's my friend too, you know, so, uh, I, I know that, uh, not everything that happens is because my faith, you know, sometimes it just, for me, it just happens because me, myself made my own personal choices and may have caused things to happen, you know, and it's not always God's will for stuff to happen, but, you know, but I know that he's, will always be there for me, you know, he's, he'll never turn his back on me, you know, and, you know, that, and sometimes we, we get ourselves in trouble, and then we, we, uh, we want to blame God, and it's really our, our, our doing and our will that, cause us to get into some troubles that we get ourselves into, you know? Thank you, thank you. Really good. I loving these answers. Okay, next question, Jeff, please. How would you complete this statement? Faith isn't Faith isn't about being right. Faith isn't about being right. Anybody else? Can anybody think of one word we've used that would fit in that blank? Faith isn't certitude. It just isn't required. Is that what you said? Yeah. Faith isn't certitude. But we've made it about that. Third question, Jeff, please. Why is doubt not an enemy of faith? Can faith and doubt coexist? Here, I answer here from um, Jeff Peter that goes with this one. The disciples constantly doubted and questioned God or Jesus to the point of calling one of the disciples Doubting Thomas. <laughs> okay. Good one, Jeff. <laughs> not an enemy of faith. Boy, I used to absolutely, see, there's my certitude. I used to absolutely believe that if I had any doubt, faith would not work. Right behind Johnny. And I always seem to feel that doubt brings me closer to my faith. I need an explanation. Well, when you doubt things, you either have to believe stronger in what you're doubting or find a way to rectify what you believe in. Okay, my job is done. <laughs> my job for today is done.
That's so good. So good. All right. Sweetheart. <laughs>